1: This river bloke called Knuckles, some call him the big knuck, spinning stories tall and true that'll make you say, holy
0: fuck, the cities to the outback on the highway or the farm, crack a cold one with Knuckles and tell us proper true yarn. G'day, my name's Knuckles and uh, welcome to the Proper True Yarn Podcast, the show at which we extract the wildest and loosest yarns from a fair few critters and uh, blokes and sheilas out of, uh, yeah, anywhere in the world, really. So uh, I think it's only fitting that we've got my old man, TJ, the the OG of the uh, Proper True Yarn himself, a man that uh, has told me a few and uh, has a fair few up his sleeves, so I thought I'd get the old boy on for the first ever episode. So how you going, Dad?
1: <clears throat> Good on you, Knuckles. Mate, it's a pleasure to be here. I think it's a great thing, Proper True Yarns. I've told a lot over the years and uh, I hope I can entertain you well, today was some good old bush yarns.
0: Perfect. So uh, I think before we get into TJ's yarns, we had to tell one about how it happened fucking this morning. Straight off the bat, we've uh, we've hired the studio in Nambour. Anyway, it's uh, like a double coded system. You've got to uh, put a code to get in the front door. Then uh, we had to put a code to get in the second door. Anyway, the front door code worked, and uh, the second door code she just she wouldn't work. We tried. We had people here. Anyway, the bloke we've um, tried to hire it off. Apparently he's in his, his back of stand or somebody, one of the stands, and um, couldn't get hold of him. So um, we just had to break into the fucking joint. <laughs> so a uh, bit of a sort of back to our Nambour roots, I guess. <laughs> and they, there's a couple of old junkies up the street, give some tips, and we just send it a few, few knives and shivved our way in. So um, <laughs> we're a bit late starting, but we're here front and centre. And, yeah, so uh, TJ, tell us the proper true
1: yarn. Okay, I'll kick off with a proper true yarn about a battler, bush battler, had five little kids. His missus left him. He's struggling to pay the grocery bills on a labourer's wage. He's driving home from work. What's he find beside the road? A platypus that's been hit by a car. Poor old platypus is laying there, nearly dead, so he thinks that'll make a good feed for me and the kids tonight. So he takes the platypus home, cooks him up, feeds the family, Lo and behold, a bloody greeny conservationist comes along and reports him. So anyway, he goes to court up before the judge and the judge said, well, what's the situation? He said, well, on battle, the judge, he said, I'm trying to feed me five kids, so I get labourers' wage, things are tough, he said. So he said, I cooked him up and fed me family, he said. The judge said, well, he said, on that grounds, he said, I can't, he said, I can't even consider convicting you on such an offence. I dismiss the charge. He said, when we, when we finish here, he said, could I see you in my chambers, have a bit of a yard? I've got a question for you. So he goes, goes back to the judge's chambers and the judge says, by the way, he said, what does platypus taste like? He said, well, not quite as good as koala. But he said, bloody hell of a lot better than dolphin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking proper tree yarn. <laughs> Done and done. Roll into the next one, TJ. Tell okay. us the proper true yarn.
1: Well, out, actually, this was in the Tambo district many, many years ago. My stories are going to be true stories, proper yarns of things that happened in the bush. And uh, the uh, this poor old fellow, he had uh, eight kids. He was a roo shooter battling and struggling in a government house, housing commission home. And uh, the rules were you can only have six kids in your housing commission home. So... One day the old health inspector arrives, knocks on the door, mum comes out and he says, well, he says, uh, how many children are living in this house? And she said, well, there's eight. He said, well, the rules are, regulations, only six children, mum and dad and only six kids allowed in the government house. He said, you've got to only have six. Okay. She said, I better get my husband. And he was a kangaroo shooter. So he comes around and what's the problem? He said, Well, he said, there's eight kids in this house, only allowed six. He said, Okay, then, righto. Kids line up on the front fence there. So the kids line up on the front fence. He says, The oldest girl, he said, Go and get me T43 out of the Toyota. He said, So he gets the T43. Lines these kids up and they're shivering and shaking and squirming. So he get the two, four, three out and he sort of pointed at him. He said, well, I love as all, he said. I don't know which two to shoot. He said, I love yous all and you're my kids. I don't know which two to shoot. He turned to the health inspector. He said, here you are, he said. Here's the gun. He said, you shoot the two that you don't want. And the, stock ins- the health inspector threw the gun on the ground. He said, you're mad, you bastard. You're friggin' mad. And he took off in a great cloud of dust. And the old dad walked up and spoke to Mum on the front step. He said, Mum, that mad bastard won't be back again. <laughs> done and done. Fucking hell. <laughs> Robert yarn from the Tambo District. And I can
0: tell you, if he, <laughs> TJ Wobbley would have blew me straight off <laughs> the fucking porch of a kid <laughs> if he could have got anywhere near again, gun. <laughs> <Like> would have <you're laughs> been the first shot going <laughs> off the
1: ranks. Oh, Knuckles would have gone. He would have been struck <laughs> even on the ground. <laughs> what do you got next, TJ? Oh, I got one about an old mate of mine, Peter Smith. He's a good mate of mine from Tambo. He, um, Peter, he was the CEO one time of the Shire in uh, a Tambo Council there. So this time the government decided to send out a conservationist. It was a professor, lady of from the environmental section, to lecture the graziers on what they were doing wrong. With the with the environment. So she got up and she had all these local grazies there, and she's talking to them about, about the erosion and the clearing too much timber and causing erosion and filling up the creeks and killing too many trees. And she's going on, she said, while I'm on this subject, she said, this 1080 baiting, killing the dingo, she said, that's gotta cease. She said, That's no good. Dingo is very important part of the ecology. She said, because the dingo, he eats vermin and scraps and rubbish, little snakes and lizards. She said, you can't kill your dingo. My old mate Peter got up and said, well, ma'am, he said, what do you think we should do with these dingoes? And uh, she said, well, I'd suggest a castration program for all male dingoes. And he said, oh, okay. He said, oh, he said, um, he said, well, might be different. Your dingoes down there at Brisbane, he said, in the suburban areas, and might be different those old dingoes, dingoes down there. But I can guarantee you one thing: out in this Tambo district, those dingoes, they eat our lambs. They don't root <laughs> 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 them.
0: Oh, Smithy, he's a good man. Yeah. He a, a great fellow. He's, he's a, great a fucking fella. great man, yeah. Smithy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Keep rolling, TJ. I give heard me this buddy. This woman the other day she walked into the chemist shop in Charleville, see, and she said, um, I want some arsenic. And the chemist said, What do you want arsenic for? She said, I want to kill my husband. I want to kill him. Oh, he said, I'm very sorry, ma'am. He said, I can't give you arsenic, he said. And she said, Well you have a look at this. So she showed him a phone. Here's a photograph of her husband and his wife in bed together. He said, oh, my God. He said, I d- you didn't tell me you had a prescription. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> you letting them roll today, Dad.
0: Keep uh, proper true yarns, Captain.
1: When, when I was out in the west, I worked in the far west and uh, there was a wild fella out there, my name was Athel Prince, and a lot of people would have heard of him in western Queensland. Old Prince, he was a big sort of loud-talking, loud-mouthed fella. And I was there at this bloody golf club dance this night and a little bloke working for me, a good little fella, Peter Moritz, and he's a pretty shy little bloke, and uh, he wanted to get this girl up, this girl up for a dance, but he wasn't quite game. And Big Athlete comes in, ho, ho, ho. He said, what's going on, TJ? I said, oh, I said, buddy, young Peter here. I said, he'd like to get this girl up for a dance, but he's not quite game. And uh, he said, oh, he said, well, I'll tell you, young fella, Big voice, I'll give you a bit of advice. And when he said that, everyone in the golf club just stopped talking. He said, You wanna love her like a flower and she'll grab you by the stalk. Well, this <laughs> <laughs> he just bolted out the door. This little buddy Sheila, she took off like a and cat. She did straight off. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> You'd have a few more properties about old Athol, TJ. Oh,
1: I've got a few more about him, yeah. I'll get to you later on. <laughs> While well, I'm at Bully, I worked in that Beaulieu district for about four or five years and a lot of characters out there and uh, there's one old fella, he, he, he come into town to buy a present for his wife for Christmas, Christmas present, to Donahue's store. Anyway, he's there saying, he said, uh, i got to buy a Cliffy Donahue, I've got to buy a bra for me missus, he said. And Cliffy said, oh, well, what size bra are you going to buy for the, for the old girl? Oh, he said, size 14. He said, Jesus Christ, he said, size 14. He said, where did you get that size from? How would you work it out? He pulled his alacubra out off his head and said, well, he said, this one's a size 7, he said, just fits over one of them nicely, he said. <laughs> 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 Keep
0: them rolling, TJ. The properties, are, they're flowing thick and fast here in Nambour.
1: Now, this one's a bit more of a historic sort of a yarn, but he's, when I was stocker on Coorabalka Station in 1972, I had a great old fella, Mick McDonald, who was a great uncle of a mate of mine, Ted Middleton's. Mick McDonald had a lot of good old true bush yarns. And he said he bought up a tipper borough there and he was travelling for the first time on a stagecoach going to Broken Hill to go to school. Oh, Mickey said, he got in the coach and he said, there's this old sheila sitting there beside him all dressed up, he said, with these big boots on a big, a big flash hat, he said, and, uh, and feathers in it. And he said, oh, I could hardly look at her. He said, well, she looked too fierce for me even to talk to, her. he said. So so he said, we're going along and as they did in those days, the stagecoach, they pull up for a toilet stop and ladies to the left, gents to the right. And this old girl said to Mick, well, sonny, I best get out and splash me boots, she said. Then she got. It. He said, well, she's not a bad old sealer after <laughs> all. He said, we had a good old yarn, he said, on the way to Broken, all She said, she's a pretty good old stick, he said.
0: Keep them rolling,
1: I know, I keep rolling. When I was at Coorabalka Station there, they used to have a quarter to seven, the old Chatter Channel and all the stations and, would call up and say what was going on. The mail truck had been through or whatever, and it's getting up towards Christmas time. And I was relieving manager there at Walker and there's a fellow on over, the Statham, He used to run the show, call all the stations, and and he called up. This old fellow had a squeaky voice, living to the south of there, and he said, uh, "What's the news down there?" He said, "Well, I heard last night that someone got two inches." And I laughed and said, yes, step, I think it was the cook on Marion Downs. <laughs> 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 there was silence for about five minutes. No one was going to say anything about that. So, Okay, how are we going there? Yeah, though?
0: good. I reckon, what about the old Min Min Light, TJ? You got that fella written down? Oh, yeah, the old Min Min Light. Plenty of
1: Min Min Light stories. No old... Um,
0: what about the first time you've seen the min-min light? That might be not as yeah, funny, but it is a proper true yarn this is for a few yeah, people out there. a proper
1: true yarn. I was on uh, <laughs> Brenna Down Station the Stock Camp. It was about 22 uh, men in the camp.
0: But I'll just uh, interrupt you, TJ. If everyone out there does know what the min-min light is, just a little bit of a quick... quick...
1: Okay. Um, a min-min light is a light that appears... Um, in that country, Western actually right round Australia really, mostly on the east coast and originated originated in that Bullya district. And there was an old Min Min Hotel between between Middleton and Bullia in western Queensland there. And this light was first sighted around there. And a lot of history was they thought it was the, uh, the old lady that had the Min Min Hotel. She died. And a lot of people believed it was the ghost of the Min Min. But uh, it's a light uh, that's seen by truckies, drovers, ringers, bloody station owners, a lot of people in that country. You see it, see it distances, long way away, sometimes you see it up close. Well, this particular night I walked from the stock camp over to have a, have a uh, cup of coffee with a contractor there, Ron Kerr and his wife, very famous, well-written-up contract muster, come from Boorolula, Ronnie Kerr and uh, we sat over there and we had a cup of coffee and told a few yarns about driving and that and walking back to the camp, me and a fellow by the name of Dick Dodson and we're walking along and all of a sudden this light appeared in front of us, about 20 feet in front of us, about chest level, I suppose, Uh, about a foot across, I suppose, yellowy sort of a, yellowy sort of a funny sort of a light but shone on us but it didn't shine round us. We knew there was no one there. Like, this is the middle of nowhere. In what and year was that being done? That was 1972. Yeah. 1972 it was. And uh, we just we just about shit ourselves. Whether it was the Holy Ghost or something spiritual had come to take us away, aliens, we didn't know what the hell it was. Christ, we just took off way we went, And uh, when we got to the camp, when we took off, it took off. Took off to the, to the north of us. And when we got to the camp, which is a couple hundred, 300 yards away, which we ran in about four seconds, we uh, woke everybody up and uh, to show them this Minmin Min light. But by this time, it had got down to the creek and was just following this creek around, just just, just following. You can still see it clearly, but uh, it was only a little light then. But definitely there is a Min Min light in that backcountry and that's was a proper true story. First time I saw it and I had to change my jocks as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Straight up, yeah. Fuck that old ain't <laughs> <man> gone. <laughs> yeah, only had to meet, beat the other fella back to the camp. Down <laughs> he's <just> fucking wheeling. Yeah, <laughs> because
1: wasn't there an old fella or some got shot in that country too? Yeah, no. This is uh, that was uh, during the wartime between the and um, or oh, probably the territory border there. In those days, after the Japanese bombed Darwin, they evacuated hundreds of thousands of cattle from the Territory and they drove him down into Queensland and there was one driver after the other following each other and out in that Tableland country, um, it was sort of clear, open downs country and uh, there was a camp cook. He uh, left one camp and he's walking back to the next driver, left one driver's camp and um, he had a had a light with him and uh, these drovers and ringers, they were... Looking out, and they've seen this light coming, and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And this is about midnight, and Then gone a bit closer. And they, it's the Min Min light, it's the Min Min light. We're going to have to, buddy, shoot it. It's getting too close. So one of the drivers grabbed a 303 rifle and he aimed it at this Min Min light. Bang, shot it. Light went out. So they are too frightened to go out until daylight. They thought, shit, what is it? Is it an alien, a ghost or what? Wait, we're not going to go out there now. It might grab us. Anything could happen. So daylight came. They snuck out. Here's this poor old chemical. Shot through the bloody, straight through the chest. <laughs> he was dead on the ground beside his bloody torch. This poor old fellow. He's <laughs> stuck <starting laughs> dead. They thought he was a Min Min poor old
0: <laughs> Just remember, guys... Call out, it's my shout, and keep left unless fucking
1: overtaken. Oh, yeah. (laughs)